The Apostle Paul taught that the Old Testament is a schoolmaster and it provides case studies, teaching tools on how faith in God can be applied and receive victory from it. The children of Israel used their faith in God initially just to survive. And that's how many of us start out in our faith journey. We come to God broken. We come to God with our backs against the walls. We come to God... We have no idea where the next provision is coming from or where our next strength is coming from. And there's testimonies all over this church of people that can say that there have been times when you were just absolutely at the end of your rope, your back was against the wall, there was no way out, and God made a way. God provided a way supernaturally. And so we learn early on that our faith helps us survive. But if you're not careful, you'll leave your faith in that room. And for the children of Israel... They started their faith journey in this realm, just faith to survive. They used their faith to survive the bondage of the Egyptians. They used their faith to walk through the Red Sea that God parted for them. They used their faith to believe God for provision while they were walking through the wilderness for 40 years. It takes faith when you don't know naturally where your next meal is coming from where you have to believe, well, God rained down manna yesterday, and I'm believing he's going to rain it down tomorrow. God caused quail to blow into the camp yesterday evening. I believe he's going to cause it to blow in this evening. And so it was a faith journey, but it was faith to survive. They were walking through the wilderness. They weren't owning anything. They weren't possessing anything. They weren't being elevated to anything. They were just surviving. And many people in this church... You've been using your faith to survive. And you can testify just like me that when you're in a bad situation, faith in God will bring you out. And that's an amazing thing. But as your faith matures, there is a strategic inflection point where your faith transitions from survival to taking promises. From survival to taking promises. Dominion, And I believe this church has matured to a point. I believe this people has matured to a point where you're not just going to use your faith to get through life and to survive and hunker down and go through issues, but you're going to begin to use that same faith you've been relying on just to make it to now go to the next level and take dominion. And Israel comes to that transition when they approach their promised land. When they got to their promised land, the scripture says the manna stopped. Why did the manna stop? Because you're not going to need manna anymore. You're about to take land and make your own food. Quail stopped blowing in the evening. Why? You're not going to need quail anymore. You're going to have land. There's animals all running all around here. If you want a steak, kill a cow. It's a transition of how the faith is being applied. In other words, I have grown you and matured you to a point, God was saying, where I don't have to do it for you. You can use faith and go and do it for yourself. Well, I don't have to open every door for you. You can use faith, rise up, and open those doors yourself. Where I don't have to just gift you something. You can rise up, take your resources together, and go get it for yourself. It's the same faith. It's just a different application. And so Israel approaches the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 1, 
20 through 21, to paraphrase it, God shows the people the land and he said, see that land that's occupied by your enemies? That's your land. I've given it to you. Now, go take it. Now, I don't like that. If you're giving it to me, then just... But that's not what he said. I'm giving it to you. Go take it. That's a, that's a transition in the maturity of faith. In, in the wilderness, he gave them the manna. He just gave it to them. But now he's saying, that land over there is yours. I've given it to you. But here's the thing. On this next level, you have to go and take what I have made available to you. And I've come to announce to you that God has made far more available to us than we are currently accessing. And I want to challenge you not just to use your faith at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. Thank God for the cross and thank God for the blood. But Jesus died for more than just the forgiveness of your sins and the saving of your soul. He died to restore dominion that Adam and Eve lost in the garden. And things have been available. They've been made available to you. And it's time we mature and begin to take possession of all that our God has given us. And when God says, see that land, he says to Joshua, see that land? It's yours. Go take it. He's teaching the people a principle. That the next level of blessing is tied to the next level of conflict. I'm going to say it again because it's so true. The next level of blessing is tied up in the next level of conflict. Now, every one of us in the room this morning are dealing with some level of conflict in our lives. But mature faith doesn't hide out in the conflict, doesn't hunker down and just try to survive it. That's what immature faith does. Mature faith learns to embrace the conflict because a mature faith knows on the other side of this conflict, there's a new level of blessing that I have never walked in before. And I want to tell somebody who walked in here in a fight, you're in a conflict in your life. Things are difficult in your life. Arrows are flying. All hell's breaking loose. Don't hide out and just try to ride out the storm. Use the same faith you used to use to survive and apply that and lean into the conflict because our God is a God that gives his people victory inside of fierce battles. And he's trying to teach Joshua, I got more for you, but the more is going to be tied up in conflict. Now, the next level, wherever you're at, the next level in your business, the next level on your job, the next level of finances, the next level of anything you're approaching. The next level of anything is designed to keep you out. There's walls around higher levels. So when the children of Israel approach the promised land that God gave them, to their surprise, there's walls. It's designed to keep them out. So when God brings those walls down by faith, the people are filled with such a joy and such a feeling of accomplishment that they almost settled right there in the first city of the promised land. I mean, you've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, didn't have a home, didn't have running water, didn't have any of the established comforts of having a single solitary place to call your own, and you get a city? 
with beds. No more tents, you know, with stables and with, with infrastructure. You get a city, it, it'd be mighty tempting just to stay right there and say, we won. But as soon as they get Jericho, jo Joshua gets a word from God and God says, I want you to press further into the land. I want you to walk the borders of this land and watch what God tells them. And every place the sole of your foot touches, I'm going to give it to you. With this charge, why did God say that? With this charge, God gives Joshua, number one, the gift of a conquest. Everyone say it. The gift of a conquest. He sends him on a mission. He doesn't want him to get comfortable and settle with one victory. Because there's a danger when you settle down. There's a complacency that sets in when you settle down. So God gives Joshua the gift of something to go after. Now, as your faith matures, you need a conquest. You need something to go after. You need something to reach for. Without a conquest in front of them, God knows that his people will return to the wilderness behind them. You cannot afford to lose your tomorrow by going back to your yesterday. So you need a conquest, something to pull you forward. And I want to ask you, what are you going after? What are you dreaming about? What are you chasing that's bigger than you? What are you doing in your life that demands you have faith? What are you doing in your life that demands you have God's participation? Because without him, it's impossible. Whatever it is, if you're not doing it, you need to pray and say, God, give me a conquest. Give me something to reach for. God always calls us forward and he draws us by conquest. And, you know, it's hard to destroy somebody that's going after something. You need a challenge. You need something that demands effort from you. Something that won't allow you to wallow in the pain and misery of your past. Something that doesn't give you the time to go back to the places you used to visit. Something that doesn't give you the time to go back in the wilderness and wander in circles. Something that won't allow you because you don't have the energy because you have to get rested because tomorrow morning we're going on a conquest. Something that makes you hang up the phone and say, I can't go out to the club with y'all tonight. I can't go get drunk with y'all tonight. In the morning, I got a conquest. Something that makes you delete all those 3 o'clock a.m. phone calls and says, I can't mess with you tonight in the morning I've got a conquest it's the conquest that forces you and pushes you and keeps you on the cutting edge raise up your right hand and say God give me a conquest God will always put blessing close to you but far enough that you have to reach for it even in the wilderness when God was raining down manna he didn't rain it down in their tent he rained it down outside the tent so they'd have to get up every morning, 
put their clothes on, go outside and reach for the blessing. God, give us blessings that we have to reach for. Give us blessings we have to stretch for. Give us promotions that challenge us. Open doors for us that make us stretch. Open doors for us that make us sacrifice. Open opportunities for us that are difficult enough that we have to bow down to our knee and say, God, I can't do it without you. Give me something that makes me stretch. He gave them the gift of a conquest. And as Joshua and the people began their conquest, they caught the attention of five enemy kings. Now, interesting thing about these kings. These kings had previously been rivals. But when they saw Joshua and the Israelites move into their territory, these rivals united against Joshua. Sometimes the only time people will unite together is to come against you. Have you ever been shocked how your haters get together? Nobody in this section. Amen. You ever been shocked how people that are against you find a way to get together? A great and effectual door has opened, but there are many enemies and they often come together. So these five kings join forces, and they come against Joshua. And Joshua had to be wondering, what is it about me that's attracting so much warfare? Have you ever looked at, at, at yourself, and you felt weak, and you felt insignificant, and you felt like you just had barely survived? And then you look at the warfare coming against you, and like your enemies think you got an all-out arsenal. Your enemies think you have limitless resources. Your enemies think you got more than enough, and you don't understand what they see. It's because there's more in you. Your very presence threatens the enemy. And when you start marching through the land to take dominion, you can be sure armies will unite themselves against you. Joshua was walking through with his one little nation, and five nations come. And they're all bigger than he is. And they're all stronger and better prepared than he is. But when God sends you on a conquest and you face conflict, God will always go into it with you. Look at Joshua chapter 10, 11 through 14. Those of you who are in a battle, I want you to listen to this. In uh, Joshua 10... Chapter 11, it says, speaking of the enemy, when they met on the battlefield, they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Asca. Watch this. The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. I love this. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. In other words, if you've got something bigger than you, if you've got something that's outnumbering you, if you've got something that's better financed and better equipped than you, then what you have is so much more valuable because when you can't do it, you've qualified yourself for God's participation. Oh, I love it. I'm going to say it again. When you can't do it, You've just qualified yourself for God's participation. 
if Joshua and his army could have defeated them, God would have just stayed up in heaven with his hands folded. But when God saw that he was outnumbered and couldn't do it on his own, God got involved in the fight. And I don't know who you are in the room, but I came to tell you prophetically, God is about to get involved in the fight. And more were destroyed by God's weapons than were destroyed by Joshua's weapons. I love that. And, uh, and Joshua has the enemy on the run. God's throwing down hell stones. I mean, he's just winning on all sides. But the sun's going down. And he can't totally wipe out the army with the sun going down. So he prays. God suspends the natural order of creation and gives him daylight for another 24-hour period. And when he's just about, when he's just about to wipe them out, in verses 16 through 19, he gets word that five of the enemy's kings, the heads of the armies, they go and, and hide in a cave at Makeda. So number two, Joshua employs the gift of control. Everybody say the gift of control. He can't leave the battlefield to deal with the five kings because he's almost got the armies defeated. If he stops focusing on the main thing to go deal with a secondary thing, he will lose what he's fighting for. So he stays on the battlefield, and since he can't conquer the kings in the moment, he controls them. You can't conquer every issue in your life at the same time. So if you're dealing with something that you can't conquer yet, control it. If you got anxiety that you can't conquer, bring it up under control. If you got bad habits that you can't conquer yet, bring them up under control. If you're dealing with marriage problems that you can't conquer in one counseling session, Bring it up under control. Financial problems, bring it up under control. Health issues, bring it up under control. Because if you don't control it, it will eventually come back and start controlling you. High blood pressure. Well, it would be great if you could cure it instantly. But if you can't cure it, you better control it. Because if you don't control it, eventually it will start controlling every aspect of your life. Then Joshua gets total victory on the battlefield. God enables him to win over every enemy. As soon as the main battle is over, Joshua gets up. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't go have a Gatorade. As soon as the battle is over, he goes straight to the cave to confront what he's been controlling. Control is an effective strategy for a season, but if you never confront what you have been controlling, then true victory will escape you. Point number three, the gift of confrontation. Somebody needs this. If you're taking notes, confronting issues is a gift you give your future self. Look, we all got issues hiding in the caves. And the smart people among us have been controlling them some for years. 
But if you just leave them there, you know, a smart king will dig out from underneath the cave. You can't just leave them there forever. You eventually got to come roll that stone away and confront what you have been controlling. Because you, what you don't deal with today will be waiting for you tomorrow. And Joshua, look at what he's done. He's defeated the enemy on the outside. But now he has to come back and roll the stone away and confront the enemy on the inside. That was the source system for the trouble he was dealing with on the outside. That's how it works, you know. Issues, whatever your issue is, issues have a fruit system and a root system. The fruit system is the stuff, the symptoms that we deal with on the outside. But the root system is always on the inside. And you can cut off the fruit, but if you don't deal with the root around this time next season, the root system will produce a brand spanking new fruit system. So eventually, you got to stop controlling it and start confronting it and deal with the root of the thing. So he rolls the stone away, and he confronts his kings. Notice when he does it. He confronts the kings with the momentum of a previous victory. See, sometimes you, you can leverage seasons in your life. And if you're in a season of momentum and you get a big win, with the momentum of that win, it's a good time to go and confront something you've been controlling. You go in with momentum. So Joshua has just defeated their armies. Now he goes straight for the head using the momentum of a previous victory. Some of you have been testifying to me about victories that God's been giving you in your life. Don't go and celebrate until you use the momentum of that victory to go fight one of those pesky kings that's been hiding in your cave. Confront your kings. Joshua does. And then... And then, number four, notice what he does in the confrontation. He yanks the kings out of the cave. He makes them all come lay down and put their head on a rock. Now, he could just get it over with. He's the commander. He's the leader. Okay? He could take out his sword and let it be done. But point number four, great leaders know this. You got to conquer in concert. It's a gift. The gift of conquering in concert. So, what does Joshua do? He lays all those five kings out. Then he goes and gets all the men and gets all his commanders. He says, Boys, I want you to line up single file and I want you to walk by each of these kings. And I want each of you to give the universal. A signal of victory and dominion at the time in that day was when you vanquished an enemy, you would go over and put your foot on their neck. He made every one of his men and every one of his leaders walk by and get to feel what it feels like to put your foot on the neck of a king that said he was going to kill you, to put your foot on the neck of an issue that said it was going to destroy you, to put your foot on a debt that said it was going to bankrupt you, to put your foot on an illness that said it was going to kill you, to put your foot on a problem that said it was going to overwhelm you. He said, boys, I want you to get to know what it feels like to feel the squirming, breathing neck of what threatened our lives. 
Because something happens when you expose your team, when you expose your leaders, when you expose your community, when you expose your family. When you pay off a debt in the family, make sure you get them babies around that table before you burn that thing up. And tell them God gave us the strength, the wisdom, and the ability to get out of this crippling debt. And baby, I want you to sing while we burn this thing. When you pay off your house, gather all your family around and have a big party. Let everybody in the family and in the community get to feel what it feels like to win in concert. So he makes them, he makes them all walk by and, and, and take turns. Just pop, ooh, pop, pop. And makes them all put their foot on the neck of the enemy so that when they get to the next fight, See, winning is a spirit. People don't teach us this, you know. They tell you, you know, in the old church, they used to tell us, they used to really guard us. They say, you know, don't watch demonic, satanic movies about people getting demon-possessed and, and scary stuff. They said, be careful because your eyes are gateways. And if you put that stuff in your spirit, you attract that stuff. That stuff's contagious, you know. You'll start having bad dreams. You'll start seeing the picture frame in your house moving. All kind of weird stuff if you entertain that stuff in your life. And they told us that that dark, evil spirit stuff, that it was contagious. And they were right. But if the negative of that is true. And God is a spirit, and they that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. If Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. If dominion is one of the seven spirits of God, the spirit of might, interchangeable with dominion. Winning is a spirit. And it's contagious. You get around it, you can catch it. You get around it, you can get infected by it. You get around it, it can get all over you. So Joshua doesn't want to be the only one that knows how it feels to stomp that neck. He wants every one of his guys to line up and do it so that the next time they run into a threat, the next time they run into an enemy that says, who is this God? I'm going to destroy you and your people and your good. The next time they run into that, something will change in their personality. Something will change in their faith. Something will change in how they apply their belief system. Something will change deep on the inside. And it goes back to our faith must mature. Past surviving and graduate to the point that we learn to put our foot on some stuff. Well, we learn to take authority and we learn to take dominion. And it's, folks, it's the same faith. The application is just different. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ suffered, was crucified, and died to release the forgiveness of your sins and the righteousness of God by faith in him to everyone who believes, repents, and accepts him. But in addition to that, he died so that the dominion, the authority, the power in the earth that Adam and Eve lost could be given to the believer 
that stands in Christ in the earth, but seated in heavenly places positionally with Christ. And I want to tell you, the spirit of dominion is upon you if you believe in the Lord Jesus. The authority of the kingdom of God is upon you if you believe in the Lord Jesus. You are not to be dominated by any lower spirit, any evil spirit, any spirit of this world, any spirit of debt, any spirit of sickness. You are not to be dominated by anything because you live and operate in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ who has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the dominion of the son he loves. Stand to your feet and give the Lord praise in the house. Stand to your feet and give the Lord praise in the house. I speak the blessing of the Lord over your life from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. I pray that the strength of our God, the tenacity of our faith, would come upon you in a mighty way. And that you would receive a charge in your spirit to go on a conquest, to chase something, to start out in something that's bigger than you, to face a giant that's stronger than you, to go up against a system that's mightier than you and stand in your faith and watch that thing fall down flat because you serve the living God. May the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you. May Christ dwell in you richly. May the power of the Holy Spirit fuse to your life the boldness to pursue. And I want to tell you, you're going to win. You may be in a very vicious battle. You may be in a dark place. But our God has made us more than conquerors. Our God always causes us to win. So come out from behind that rock of hiding and surviving. Come out from behind that rock of just barely getting through and understand who and what you are. You are loved by God. Scripture calls you the apple of his eye, the sheep of his pasture. It calls you a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy people. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. So use your faith and go chase something. Use your faith and bring a giant down. Use your faith and challenge the status quo of the world around you. And do great things in the name of Jesus. Every hand raised up toward heaven. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe you are who the gospel says you are. I believe you lived perfectly. You died completely. You rose bodily for my sins to pay the penalty for my sins. Today, I repent of my wrong. I submit to your word. Fill me with your spirit and be Lord of my life. By my faith, I receive forgiveness. I receive it now in Jesus' name. I receive boldness and I receive the spirit of dominion and the spirit of a champion in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a great praise all over the house. 
Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, I want to tell you, God is fighting for you. He's on your side. Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. What God has done before, the victories he has brought before, he will do that with every one of the enemies you fight. Be encouraged today. I want to challenge you before you leave to give an offering to the Lord. We have a great opportunity this week. The church needs some electrical repairs. And anytime the house of God needs something, it's an opportunity for the people of God to give him something that will bless and repair his house. When you do that, when you bless the house of God, if the house of God is ever in, in need of repair, if you give towards repairing his house, it attracts blessing to your house. And if you've got something, all of the tithers who gave earlier, we appreciate our tithers so much. This one is for everybody. I want to challenge you to give an offering to the Lord. And all this is going to go for some of these repairs that we need. And I'm believing in my faith that if you need some repairs in your home, either physical repairs or emotional repairs or relational repairs, I believe God's watching what we do for his house. In the Old Testament, he was very watchful. And he always considered what the people did for his house. He told the people in one passage, he said, you have nice roofs on your homes, but my roof's falling apart. And he criticized them for it. So when the house of God needs a repair, it's a very high, sensitive, spiritual time. And I just want to encourage you, all of our leaders this morning in our early session, they took the lead on this. And many of them pledged or gave $100. And I'm not going to ask you to do that. But if you could do half of what our leaders, our leaders did, if you could give $50 or as close to it as you can, whatever you give today will be a blessing to the house of God, the house that encourages so many people, the house that preaches, the house that feeds so many people. And uh, your seed will last and, uh, and make a difference. So whatever you're giving, whatever you're doing, thank you. Those of you watching online, thank you for your giving. Thank you for supporting this ministry. All of our leaders who gave earlier, I'm not talking to you. You've already done your part. Thank you for supporting this ministry. Father, we lift up our offerings to you and we call you blessed. We want your house to be blessed and your house to be strong. And God, we ask that every person that participates in this offering would be blessed in kind blessed in turn. Father, you see what they're sacrificing to give to your house. I pray you would bless their house. I pray you would make repairs to their home, to their relationships, to whatever's going on inside their house. Lord, bless them as they give to your house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can do